Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. So if you have an area where you're not really real, in your life. God's already speaking to you right now. You're a hypocrite. You act like this, but you're really not that person. Now, I'm not talking about perfection because there aren't any of us here, but this is your lifestyle and you've got a lot of people fooled. You don't have God fooled and it's miserable for you keeping up this crazy act. Get real. Be real. Let God minister to your heart. Isn't it frustrating to see a politician that you thought was a good person, maybe you even voted for, be found to have taken bribes or cheated on their spouse? Of course it is. There's a level of expectation, a standard, that it's assumed that people in that position would uphold. And you know, it's true in the church too. People have a clear standard, the Bible. Well, they fall short. Well, Pastor Mark's teaching today will touch on many aspects of the Christian walk and the need for integrity in your life. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. He'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 12 as he continues his message, Pursue Peace and Enjoy Grace. What is this holiness? Really, holiness speaks about this, difference and separation. You see a little picture of this today, if you've read the newspaper, saw the television, the Mormon sect in Texas. You remember the ladies that the children were taken from them? They were on television with their dresses and their hair that is in a big bun and whatever. Well, lots of people saw their dresses and they want to know where to get them. So now they're selling online, this sect, their dresses. I'm so thankful, and I say this kindly, my wife doesn't want to wear one of those dresses. <laughs> and I had her hair cut yesterday just to make sure she wouldn't wear one of them, because I like her hair short. I'm just kidding you. I do like her hair short. But isn't it amazing? Because when you look at that dress, covered up to here, down to here, we look holy. But the Bible says, careful, it is not about the outside. Oh, it is a little bit. But holiness doesn't come from the outside, it comes from the inside. Jesus says, if you take care of the inside, the outside will take care of itself. You just be separate. You be different than the world. Make sure it's coming. Barclay says this, 
Although he lives in the world, the man who is holy must always in one sense be different from it and separate from it. His standards are not the world's standards, nor his conduct the world's conduct. His aim is not to stand well with men, but to stand well with God. You see, when we begin to talk about holiness, this difference and separation, we have to be very careful of our pride, because we can look one way and be very, very different. I remember when Linda and I, our kids were younger, we went up and went to Pennsylvania area, the Pennsylvania Dutch area. Great food and just beautiful country. And we end up staying at an Amish farm, actually a Mennonite farm. It was all computerized. And, you know, they're the liberal branch of the Amish. They have electricity, they have cars, they do all these things. And so we stayed at this beautiful farm. It was incredible. We get up and watch them, and they could tell from each cow how much fat there was in the milk that day, and it was all computerized and amazing. While we were there, we see somebody drive up in the horse and buggy. It's one of the Amish. And they stop, and they come on in to the barn. And I said to, like, the owner, what are the Amish people doing here? He says, well, they don't have electricity. They can't use the electricity, so they come here to make their phone calls. <laughs> we went, wow. Now, we laughed, but see, we can have that form of godliness and just go around it as if nobody notices. Now, the Mennonite people knew exactly what was happening. So they look holy, but they really weren't separate. They were doing what they always wanted to do in their heart. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 says, God's will is for you to be holy, so stay away from all sexual sin. Now, keep your finger right there. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. Remember, holiness, I'm called to be different. But let me say this to you. You're not called to be weird. We're called to be different. Not so you stand out in a crowd and go, oh, I know there. They go to Calvary Chapel. Well, is, is that Melbourne or Vieira? Oh, that, that group goes to Vieira. Look at them. No, it's not to be like that. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had, notice, when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am. Am holy. The church has gone through all these times and still does to some degree today. The Puritan age and all the rest. And again, it was always external. Jesus was a perfect example of holiness. And you know what? Wherever he went, people loved to be around him. If you see some of these individuals who call themselves holy, 
because of their dress, or they don't listen to this, or they don't read this, or they don't do this, or they don't do it. See, their list of no's is just, woof. That wasn't Jesus. He was somebody you love to be around. He always did what the Father did. He just obeyed the Father. He was different, but he was lovable. He was peaceable. He didn't condemn people. He met them where they were. He would meet very different people, and he would always love them if they would allow him to bring them and become followers of him. That's what I want to be. We don't want to be in a church where there's weird people. And when people go by, I say, I would never even want to go in that place. Look at that. They try to be this kind of a person. They don't, 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 they don't, 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 they don't, 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 they don't, 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 don't. How many of you came from one of those churches? Let me see your hand. Yeah, it was miserable, wasn't it? It was miserable. That's why we lost all of our kids. Because everybody was legalistic. By the way, you'll find bitter people are always legalistic. Be careful. Now, what this verse simply means is, I am to be different, but not weird. I'm to be holy. In a practical sense, holiness is what you want when you turn the faucet on at home. You want clean water. It's what you want when you walk into a restaurant. If the zoning is rated in a restaurant, A, B, C, or whoops, you don't want the whoops. You want an A restaurant. That's what God wants from us. He wants people that represent character, humility, openness, being real. You want your water and food to be healthy and clean? That's exactly what God wants from you and from me. He expects that because he lives in us. Now, remember Jesus said this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So if you have an area where you're not really real in your life, God's already speaking to you right now. You're a hypocrite. You act like this, but you're really not that person. Now, I'm not talking about perfection because there aren't any of us here. But this is your lifestyle, and you've got a lot of people fooled. You don't have God fooled. And it's miserable for you keeping up this crazy act. Get real. Be real. Let God minister to your heart. Now back to Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 15. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. Well, how in the world could I miss the grace of God? And that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Here's our third key. Enjoy God's grace. How do I do that? No bitterness. One day, you remember, the Pharisees brought a woman to Jesus caught in the very act of adultery. They were planning this. The man was not there, of course, just as guilty, but the woman was. As they brought her and began getting ready to stone her, you remember Jesus said these powerful words. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, he'd been writing in the dirt, if any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. 
How often all of us forget how we became Christ followers. How did I become a Christ follower? I admitted my sin. I admitted my need of God. I asked forgiveness. And then I accepted his grace. Did I deserve it? No. I was given life instead of death. I was given joy instead of sorrow. I was given heaven instead of hell. Why? Because of the grace of God. But how often I receive grace, but I don't extend it to people who have hurt me. You see, we forget where we came from. Jesus extended it to me, and he wants to extend it to you. Now, keep your finger right there. Turn back to Ephesians. Lots of verses, but you need to see them. God's nature is to forgive. That's the nature I want. Do I have it all the time? No. Sometimes it's hard for me. And we're entering an area now in bitterness that all of us have to deal with. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. All of this, remember, has to do with our race as we're moving toward the goal. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of it. Pursue it. Get it out of there and rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Here's the key. I just don't get rid of something. I replace it with something. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Why should I do that? Here's my example. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. You see, in this room... Life is painful for every single person. All of us have some hurts. They're unavoidable. It's not that we just had hurts a year ago and we don't have any hurts. That's just life. That's because of the first premise I talked about before. We all are around people. And because of that, we hurt others. Some word we just said, some curtness just went off and didn't even maybe realize it. But they were super sensitive. They were open. They got hurt. We got hurt. Person doesn't even know it. Now, when that happens, and there's a hurt, instead of going to that person and just saying, wow, I wish you wouldn't have said that to me. It really, it really hurt me. And resolving it, sometimes we just keep it to ourselves, And pretty soon, that unforgiveness, a seed is planted. And as that seed begins to grow, it always finds its way into bitterness. It just grows in our lives. We've all been there. So unresolved conflicts lead to a resentment. A resentment leads to unforgiveness. I'm not going to go to that person. Remember, we forgot to pursue peace. Unforgiveness leads to bitterness and rage and anger. It's this progression That starts with a hurt. First thing, unforgiveness 
leads to bitterness. Now, in our world, in the church world, what do people get bitter at? Well, number one, people get bitter at God. God, why did you allow that? That can't be right. How can that be right? Second, against our parents. Some of you are even adults today, and there's issues with your adult parents. Against a spouse. We live in a home, and there's unforgiveness in the home. It's because we don't address it. We just try to maintain peace. Well, you need to get it out in the open. Ask God's help. Do you realize how many people outside of this building have been hurt in a church and never step back in. You can't imagine how many people. And you hear it all the time. Some of you know those people. They're just not in church anymore. And they got hurt. Something I said, something happened in the congregation, another church, doesn't have to be this church. Whatever it was, Satan took it and blew it up in their mind. And now that keeps them from coming to church fellowshipping. And they take that hurt and extend it to every church. Well, in many ways, they're right. What is a church? It's people. Will you go to a church somewhere where you'll never be hurt? No, not unless you're the only one there. People hurt people. That's what we do. But we have to learn to live in forgiveness. And of course, In a church, that's what happens. You can get bitter against God. You can get bitter against your parents, your spouse, your kids, the church as a whole. But the church is simply people. So it's the interaction of people where this bitterness begins to go. Now, here's the problem. When that bitterness starts in me, it starts small, but it's just like a cancer. It spreads. And pretty soon, it affects me physically spiritually, and big-time emotionally. But then it doesn't stop. It spreads to my home, my family, my friends, my church, my neighborhood. It just is unending. It just has roots that go out and out and out and out. What am I to do with it? How do I solve it? What caused it? Well, you already know what caused it. Unforgiveness. So notice, bottom line, there's a fruit to this root. The fruit of bitterness is simply everyday life becomes miserable. And this person exists. They don't live. Now, Someone has said and equated, and I think it's interesting, that bitterness has the same shelf life as a Twinkie. See, a Twinkie has all these preservatives and artificial ingredients that can like last forever. There's a Twinkie. Well, unforgiveness that leads to bitterness will last forever unless you get at the root of the bitterness. And what is always the root of the bitterness? It's the hurt that you experience that you didn't forgive. It's always you. So I have to understand, to remove the root, 
I have to forgive the person that hurt me. Now, Matthew 18 says, I'm to go to that person. I'm to ask. I'm to release it. Maybe I hurt them or they hurt me, whatever it is. Ephesians 4.15 says what? Speak the truth in love. So you have to address it. I always use an illustration when we go through our premarital classes about speaking the truth in love. Husband and wife, they're newly married. They sit down for breakfast. The wife has fixed the breakfast. She's made toast just the way he likes it. She doesn't know how he likes it, but she happened to make it brown and put butter on it. And she makes this bacon that's floppy. And she sits it down in front of him. He hates floppy bacon. And I say to you, what does the husband say? I actually say it like this. What does the wise husband say? (laughs) You'd be surprised at some of the responses. Well, the wise husband, typically they don't normally go to this. Honey, the toast was great. That's good. If the wife is picking up on anything, she already already sees what's happening here. Once in a while, a couple will say, well, I don't want to hurt my wife. So I said, well, would you like to be married 22 years and she's making you floppy bacon for 22 years? <laughs> well, no, I would like to do that. How will she know? Well, I guess I'm going to have to tell her. Yes. <laughs> Probably not that time. That would not be a good time. But the next time she's making bacon, while she's doing it, say, honey, I like it a little more crisp. Speak the truth what? Say it with me. In love. Your motive is love. So I have to do the same thing. I have to go to the person, and I have to ask them to forgive me. Now, forgive me simply removes the debt that that person owes me. I came across something. I love it. Forgiveness is moving from you owe me to you owe me nothing. I like that. You owe me. You hurt me. No, You owe me nothing. I forgive you. To enjoy life, that's how we have to live. We have to live that way. We have to extend what God extended to us to other people. Guys, the older you get, the more people you see with bitterness. It's destroying their life. Physical, spiritual, and emotional. You can't do anything about it, but they can. They have to pursue peace. They have to pursue the root of the bitterness, which always comes from unforgiveness. But Pastor Mark, they really hurt me, and they did the thing that was wrong, and it wasn't right. I know. That's why you forgive. Did any of us do any things that were wrong to God? We're to forgive as God forgave us. Is it hard? Yes. Can it be done? Yes. Here's the key you want to write. We are able to forgive because God gives us the power to forgive. See, you can't do that in your selfish being. No way. I keep a list. God doesn't want a list. Just forgive. Just extend grace to the person who hurt you. Now, when you forgive, that doesn't mean that you excuse what they did for you. Or in a marriage where somebody has been abusing you, you don't stay in that marriage. You forgive them, you move on. If they're physically beating you, God never asks you to do that. I don't have time to get it. We did a whole series on prison break. We did a whole four weeks in that. I wrote a book about it. Same thing, you can get it and pile through it. 
Pastor Mark reminded you in his teaching today just how good God's been to you. He told you again about God's grace and his mercy and how both of those have worked in your life. And since God's shown his grace and mercy to you, he expects you as his ambassador to do the same to other people. It might be hard, but it's possible with the Holy Spirit's power. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian, and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, Pastor Mark will wrap up his teaching, Pursue Peace and Enjoy Grace. He'll be talking more about this pursuit of God's kind of peace, and he'll be taking on the topic of grace. You'll learn a little more about God's nature. You'll find out how his nature has worked in your life, and you'll discover how to extend the working of God's nature through you to others. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting